Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is NBA Today, hosted by Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. Coming up on NBA Today, LeBron James took over in the fourth quarter versus the Rockets. But what does this win tell? A bigger story for the Lakers and the point god rises up in the NBA assist leaderboard. Hear from one of his former running mates about what makes Chris Paul such a dynamic passer. Plus, are the Heat the team to beat in the East? Our experts weigh in. NBA Today starts right now. Welcome to NBA Today. I'm Malika Andrews, joined by Richard Jefferson and Tim Legler in the building. J.J. Redick will be making his ESPN debut in a little bit. And we'll tell Duke you. Guys. <laughs> what are you going to do, man? Duke guys. Just, just, just let him have this I'm, one. I'm, just let him have this one. He's going to tell us about the Nets' biggest missing piece. And it's not Kyrie Irving. It's okay. not. But before that, LeBron James took over in the fourth quarter at Staples Center last night. Let's take a look, a little bit of a closer look at that game. LeBron James, there he is, hosting the Rockets in Staples Center. So the fourth quarter, Lakers down two. LeBron drives. Look at this finish, Richard. It's beautiful. I know we're going to gloss over how great he is, and you see you see this here. He's working the pick and roll because he's six foot whatever. But at the end of the day, it's a 100-point game against the Rockets, and it's seven minutes to go. Well, a little left-handed layup. It was a run for LeBron as he scored ten points in a row, and the Lakers were up by four. So then under five minutes to play, Avery Bradley can't get it to go, but Anthony Davis is there to clean it up. 27 points, nine rebounds, three blocks. Next session. Possession, LeBron. Dominance, 30 points, 10 assists. So now we have 15 seconds to go. Lakers ooh, up four. Ooh, Green. Ooh, man, oh, man. He ooh, let that one over it. He had yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 24 points, like five assists. Him. Look at this final possession. Houston inbounds the ball. Kevin Porter Jr., it's a pretty good look no, here. That's what I'm saying. They had a chance to win. I'm just not gonna, couldn't look. quite get it to fall, though. But, man, these lights ain't for everybody. But, look, I just can't I can't compliment them on that. Yeah. Well. Way to do what you're supposed to LeBron do. LeBron took over in the fourth by scoring 14 of his 30 points, his most in any quarter this season. And James also made more field goals in the fourth quarter than the first three quarters combined, Richard. And it took everything the Lakers had to beat a one-win Rockets team. But LeBron, with 14 in the fourth quarter, is looking pretty special. Richard, what do you make of his play down the stretch? Well, no, it's good to see that the Lakers are doing what they're supposed to do. We remember that epic loss against OKC without LeBron James. But half of the battle in this league is beating the team that you are supposed to beat. Mm. Now, should this take you all the way down to the fourth quarter and the Houston Rockets had a chance to win it? Yes, they didn't, but this is not – the Lakers aren't playing their best basketball, but they are getting it done. Yeah, what I liked about the way the game ended was LeBron at his best is the combination of power and finesse. I mean, the fact that he's, he made some mid-range shots late, that's really when he becomes completely unstoppable. I think what this score indicates is the regular season – Mm. is just not going to be that important to this team, particularly with all the guys you added. There are a bunch of vets. This is a six-month drag to get ready for April 15th. 
And that's when they're going to see this team feel like they can turn it on with all the talent they have, all the experience. But there are going to be nights in the regular season where they're just not going to be laser-focused possession by possession the way that some other teams in this league are maybe a little bit more with their foot on the gas. And I think that's what this was. The good news is at least it didn't cost them a win. Right. And they're turning it on when it matters. But do you think that this win, it was one win versus a one-win Rockets team, but is it bigger than just one game? Does it tell you anything else? I think it was for this reason. I made a joke at the beginning of the year. I kind of said it tongue-in-cheek. I, I said, Russell Westbrook is not going to have any rhythm for the next eight months, right? And so much so he might forget how to dance, actually, I said. Um, Because it's just difficult being in this lane for him. He is so used to being the guy that creates all of the opportunities. So early on, you saw that. He was frustrated. They did not incorporate him. So to see LeBron, AD, Westbrook, and Carmelo Anthony, who, by the way, to me, looks more comfortable than at any time since he left the Knicks mm-hmm. because he's in the lane. He was always comfortable. Be you when you're in the game. You're just not a starter anymore. That's fine. Right. Play 25 minutes, but you're going to be mellow when you're out there. So to see all four of those guys in rhythm, efficient, on the same night, we haven't really seen that. So for me, it is more than just one win against a bad team. It's also guys understanding, hey, I can do my thing, too, out here with two other guys that dominate the ball, and they haven't really had that opportunity this year. Yeah, and the one thing that worries me about the Lakers is that they can take this time off. They can build up towards the postseason, but ultimately, if you get yourself in a position where you're the third seed, you're the fourth seed, all of a sudden your route becomes that much harder. Let's look at the Eastern Conference last year when you had Philly number one, and then what did that happen? That meant Brooklyn and and Milwaukee were battling it off in the second round. You don't want that early on. You want to build up in the postseason, and the only way to do that is to play well in the regular season. Slow steady build. So defensively, the Lakers are 25th in the league in points allowed. What do they need to do, Richard, to maybe right that ship? Well, I think getting healthy is one. I think they, they had the, some of their younger players. You had THT, you had Kendrick Nunn. Those guys are out. Those are guys that were supposed to eat up a ton of minutes, and right. then the vets were, like Carmelo, were supposed to come in and just, you know, give you that scoring support. But I, I think ultimately Frank Vogel has been one of the best defensive coaches since he's been a head coach going back to his days in Indiana. I think they will figure it out, but those vets, they have to put forth that effort to be great. Yeah, I agree. And you look go back to the team who won the championship a couple years ago in the bubble. They could put lineups on the floor with a combination of length and quickness that no one else could really match. And they actually played more effective zone than any team in the league in the bubble because they had that huge front line along the back. Mm-hmm. They could get out corner to corner, could test threes. They could recover because of their length. So now they've gotten a little bit older. They added guys a little bit older. And they're just not going to take every possession as seriously. A veteran team like this, they're not. Now, the one thing I think they will be cautious of they can't come from the seven hole no. the way they did a year ago. They, they learned they a learned lesson. lesson. They thought, yeah. hey, LeBron and AD healthy, we're going to roll through no matter what hole we come from. No, not true. Right. Not in the Western Conference. So yep. I think they'll be cognizant of that, but I just don't think we're going to talk about them in the same vein right. as Milwaukee or Miami or some of these teams that can really get into you. Lakers aren't going to be that kind of team. They're ultimately going to have to beat you, I think, Richard, by their offense being cohesive. And last night, or against Rockets, that was a good first step. Well, and you yeah. mentioned that in the Western Conference, I mean, in the Eastern Conference, it's it's looking tough in some ways in this year. But I am curious, you guys, taking a little bit of a longer lens, looking at the West right now, where the Lakers are, where everything is shaking out. What what are your impressions right this moment of that conference and where things could move and shake? Well, look, I think right now, if, when I look at this, when I look at this, con- uh, the conference, and you're saying, okay, the Jazz and the Warriors, if you were to put the Lakers against either of those teams in a seven-game series, I even think today I think the Lakers would win that. Now, as the season progresses, but understand 
understand the Lakers are supposed to be like the favorite to win a championship with them in Brooklyn. I look at the Miami team. If they were to play a Miami team today in the Miami postseason, looks tough. they would have a problem. I would probably pick Miami to beat the Lakers if they were to play today. So I know it's the first month of the season, but that's our job. Our job is to show how a team is progressing. And right now, they look average. Yeah, I agree. And I think when you look at the West, look, think about some of the teams that we expected to look more like finished products early. Phoenix. They haven't hit their stride yet. Yep. Denver's been banged up. These are the teams you expect to be near the top. The Clippers obviously playing without Kawhi. So because of that, even despite the slow start, you kind of look at the Lakers and go, yeah, they're still the team, even though Utah has been the best team in the West so far. When you look at the Lakers roster, ultimately, and some of those other teams are trying to still figure out who they are. They've got new pieces. They're com- overcoming injuries. Lakers are right there still in the mix. They haven't given up too much ground despite their slow start because other teams are also running in mud a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, Lakers are the best team in the conference. Well, and you can relate to that, right? Like slow start. 100%. That's 100%. my entire life. I, I figured. The Lakers now have won three in a row, and they will host the Thunder tomorrow. And coming up on NBA Today, the point guard Chris Paul is now third all-time in assists. Who better to join us than his former teammate, J.J. Redick? And the Nets are still without Kyrie Irving, but that might not be the biggest issue facing Brooklyn right now. Plus, Draymond Green joins us to talk the Warriors renaissance, Steph's MVP chase, and what they need to do to win it all this season. Go back to 2017. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. With the 11th pick in the 2006 NBA Draft, the Orlando Magic select J.J. Redick from Duke University. I never could have imagined that I would have played basketball for this long. Redick for three, for the tie! The last 30 years of basketball have been beyond my wildest dreams. Man, I love a good debut, and we have one today. Making his ESPN analyst debut is 15-year NBA veteran J.J. Redick. Welcome. Thank you. This is awesome. What a highlight montage, by the way. I mean, right. there was a lot in there. Game winners, three-pointers, a nice reverse layup package. I loved all we, that. We tried to I give you it. a well-rounded look despite RJ trying to take some things out. So I was reading an article earlier today where you said you had some performance nerves leading up to today. So before we jump in, bigger nerves waiting to do this hit or some of those game winners that we saw? Uh, <laughs> performance anxiety is always a good thing, Malika, and hey, I would definitely I say agree. game winners. Game winners for sure. All right, well then this is going to be some light work. Let's look at one of your former teammates who is climbing the all-time assist ladder. That is the point guard, Chris Paul. So, Chris Paul and the Suns hosting the Pelicans. He entered Tuesday needing eight assists to be third in NBA history. So here's the first to JaVale McGee. 
Second, kicks it to Devin Booker. Dribble pull up. Kicks it over to Jay Crowder. Nails the three. Crowder in the corner. Pump fake for the dunk. This curling pass to Mikhail Bridges. A nice little pick and roll with Frank Kaminsky. And then he drops it to Book for three. So with that, Paul ties Steve Nash for third most all time. So second quarter, 139 left. Paul finds Jay Crowder in the corner. Nails the three, and with that assist, Chris Paul stands alone for the third most on NBA all-time assists. So then, we head to the fourth quarter. Sun's down two. Paul, he finds Bridges over here. Three to take the lead. Suns come back from trailing by as many as 20 to take the fourth quarter lead. So Suns up, same score. Paul finds Kaminsky, and one with the layup. Paul finished with a season-high 18 assists, and the Suns win 112 to 100. Man, it means a lot, man. I'm, I'm grateful, and I thank God for this opportunity. I say it all the time, not only to uh, be on a team and still be in the league, but to be playing. You know, you don't take that for granted. And, um, you know, I looked at that list when I first came into the league, and I seen that John Stockton. I was like, I'm going to get it. That ship sailed. <laughs> that, that ship sailed to be third, man, and and still be playing. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for it, and, and still still got a ways to go. So, JJ, you and Chris spent four years together with the Clippers. What did you notice about him that was different than other point guards that you played with? Well, first of all, he knew where I was on the court at all times, but not just me. He knew where everybody was on the court, uh, and we could talk about his vision his mid-range, his defensive hands, all the stuff. The best description I've ever heard of Chris is that he squeezes the juice out of every possession. What makes Chris great is his competitive stamina, his sustained competitive spirit, game to game, night to night, season to season. And over the course of his career, he's squeezed all of the juice out of his career. Mm. If, you, if you said at the beginning of his career, at his size, to be able to play at this level at age 36, it's remarkable what he's doing. He's also squeezed out an incredible amount of assist juice because right now he has 10,346 career assists. Do you know how many of those were to you? And, and where does that rank uh, with you and the, your list of teammates that he's assisted? I actually think I might be top one ah, or maybe top, top two of most assist assisted teammates. I, I got to be up there. Okay, You're number, number three. three. Right, number close, three. Close. That's I like not top bad. one, though. That's, that's something I'm yeah. going to use now. Top number one. Number three is great. <laughs> number three is great. Uh, you know, what, what, what has made him such a good uh, assist uh, creator, shot creator, is just his ability to read the game. Uh, you know, even last night in, um, in the New Orleans game, they started out in blitz coverage. Uh, he read that right away. He was getting off the ball early. He found JaVel McGee multiple times, uh, rolling to the rim. They tried to mix it up a little bit in the second half. They went to some drop coverage. He hit the pocket pass. Uh, all this stuff, me coming off catch and shoot stuff. It's just amazing to watch these clips and, and see him do this uh, for 16 years, 17 years now. I mean, look at that vision. What was, what was it that stood out to you most from his 18 assists last night? The ability to just get off the ball. I, I think, you know, a lot of times with high assist numbers, you dominate the ball, and Chris is so willing to get off the ball. And once he recognized those blitzes, 
He made the early pass. This to me is vintage Chris, surveying the field, surveying the court, finding the trailer for three in transition. Uh, when he gets out and pushes it in transition, I think that's when he's at his best. Mm. So now he's third on the list, trailing Don Stockton. Well, where do you see him rising to here? Like Chris said, he's not catching John Stockton. That ship has sailed. Uh, he's missed too many games in his career. I do think he'll catch Jason Kidd. If he essentially has his career average in assists uh, for the next three plus seasons, he'll have a ch even with a handful of missed games, he'll have a chance to, to catch Jay Kidd. The other thing is he'll move into the top three probably in career steals, which Stockton uh, is at the top of that list as well. John Stockton, by the way, the longevity there, the numbers, number one in steals, number one in, in assists. Uh, give that guy his flowers. Absolutely. Well, JJ, hopefully you, your nerves have calmed a little bit. You, you've had a chance to kind of just chill out. Can you, can you stick around for us, though? Because we, we do want to talk yeah. a little bit more about the Mavs, about the Heat. We have so much to get into with you. The Pelicans-Suns game was the second game in TNT's doubleheader last night. The first was the new-look Heat in Dallas to take on Luka and the Mavericks. The Heat have been dominant on both sides of the ball this season, ranking second in offensive efficiency and first on the defensive side of the ball. The, the Vonda 2016-17 Warriors are the last team to rank in the top two in those seasons for categories. Miami has added to a good team, and boy, are they off to a great start. Going to face one of the league's most talented offensive players. Donchick's way outside. Walk a Step back, triple Luka. Crossover, Hero. Oh, that was beautiful. What a shot. Tyler Hero gets it to go. Lowry on a body. Slams it home. Shot clock at five. Lowry positions with a three. What a shot by Lowry. What a move. Six and one Miami. They are hot. The Heat have won five in a row and three straight on the road. Back with JJ and Leg. So JJ, so much was made of Tyler Hero's comments earlier this year where he put himself in the same conversations with Luka Doncic and Trey Young. What have you seen from him so far this season? I think we all laughed when Tyler Hero said that. I know Malika did, Legs did, I'm sure RJ did, because <laughs> hey! that's all he does is laugh. <laughs> Give the guy some credit for making a big leap here in, in year three. Uh, so when we look at usage percentage, the percentage of possessions that a player uses while on the court, uh, Tyler has made a big jump from about 22% in his first two years to 29% this year. For reference, Nikola Jokic last year as the MVP had about that usage percentage. The other thing is, He's been such a good pick and roll operator, getting to his spots. He's shooting 60% from the mid-range, which probably isn't sustainable, but his ability to get to his spots, elevate. And then the third thing I think is his passing. He's made a, a little bit of a leap each year with his passing. This year is no different. But for him to be in the category of a Trey Young or a Luka Doncic, it's the playmaking part that he has to continue to improve. All right, so Legs, Miami is second in points allowed this season. What makes them such a strong defensive team? Oh yeah, Richard and I were talking about this off camera. I said, you know, you look at what they can put on the floor now. You add a Kyle Lowry, you add a P.J. Tucker to the mix to go with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And even a guy like Tyler Hero. Duncan Robinson's long. So the length, the versatility, it allows them to get up in you and it allows you to create situations where you're not at a disadvantage even when you switch. And here's a perfect example. 
Here's a switch right here. You're not worried about it if you're the Heat, even though you've got Tyler here on Luca, because here's what Kyle Lowry brings to the table. Take a look at Kyle Lowry here under the rim. Now, his man is going to be here. He's not worried about that, though. He understands he's got to get out to the corner if it's a three. But I want to, what I want you to focus on, watch Kyle Lowry's head as this possession goes. It's on a swivel. He probably takes it back right and left five or six different times to make sure he is there to provide the type of help that he needs. So he's, even as a post-up taking place, you see him here. He's constantly wearing. Look at his head. Back and forth, back and forth. And then J.J. McDew's a great term. Competitive stamina. That's the other thing that Kyle Lowry has. So you're going to see here when this ball is skipped, watch how hard and aggressively he closes out. There's no way you're going to get this three-point shot off. And instead, he's going to force dribble penetration back into the lane where all of this activity is. So you're not going to give anything up. So this is what Miami does. They close out the three-point line, they help on penetration, and then they give you the second effort on the same possession. And that's what they do right here. So you force it back to the middle, all that activity in the middle, great contest on the last effort. Now watch, here's the other thing, and this is where a guy like Tyler Hero is really going to benefit. Look at this outlet pass. As soon as he gets it, he's already looking up the floor to see what is the defensive balance getting back. And watch how Tyler Hero benefits from this. So as Kyle comes up, he gets to this point right here. He's going to shift gears. He knows that all of the defense is on the left side of the court. So if he can beat this top defender and get in here, he knows he is going to draw all eyes on him. Why is that important? Because he already knows that Tyler Hero is right here. And he is running the floor. And watch at the end of this the way Kyle Lowry draws four to him. Tyler Hero never stops moving. Great decision at the end. It looks like there's nothing there, but he knows there's a secondary break coming. The IQ, the toughness. Kyle Lowry brings so much to this team, and it's why for me, the day that they got him, I said, this is a team now you've got to watch out for and take seriously as a final contender and maybe a team that could win the whole thing. Okay, so if we're talking about where their ceiling is, well, I have you both here. JJ, I'm going to start with you. What is the Heat ceiling this year? Anybody that's listened to my podcast uh, knows that I've been accused of basically running a Miami Heat podcast. <laughs> so I, I drink, I drink the Heat culture Kool Aid. Mm. So to me, this is the clear front runner in the Eastern Conference. They've got the number one defense so far. They've got the number two offense so far. Uh, will they win a championship? I don't know that, but they certainly have the ceiling to win an NBA championship this All year. All right, JJ's drinking the Kool-Aid. Are you, Tim? Oh, no question. A big picture of it. Uh, the, the ceiling is a parade in Miami. If you really want to talk about, can they actually get it all done? They can. And like JJ said, you don't really know. There's so many factors that go into it, and there's other teams on that short list of contenders. But I think this is the best defensive team in the league, and now you have Tyler Hero back at a level where he gives you that firepower that you're going to need every night. This is a team for their first four wins held teams under 100 points in modern NBA basketball it's very difficult to do that period much less four consecutive wins under 100 they can just beat you multiple ways I'm all in I also think Eric Spolster is one of the top five coaches in the league I've thought that for the last decade so you add that all up Malika JJ I, I think this team can get it done I think they can take this thing all the way across the finish line give me the pitcher the packet some extra sugar well, that's, that's, it. It. Yeah, so you said that's it the big wooden yeah, spoon I want, I want extra sugar let's yeah. just stir it all that's up it. as we're oh, yeah. all drinking it stick around though please JJ because we need to break down the nets coming up and all also coming up, Draymond Green joins me to talk about the Warriors core. And I heard a special guest might be joining him. Keep it locked. You know, when you're playing with...
these guys for so long. You just kind of know tendencies, and we know how to dice the defense up. We, we've seen every coverage known to man. And, you know, more importantly, all right, all right. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Live from Los Angeles, welcome back to NBA Today. Come on, come on, here we go. Get it, let's get it. Your only goal is to make a guy do something that he don't want to do. You can do that. You're going to be successful. I'm giving you all what a pass. So sit back and enjoy and watch. Draymond Green is one of five players in NBA history to win at least three titles and two Olympic gold medals. That puts him in, in some incredible company, as the only others to do this are LeBron, Kobe, MJ, and Scotty. And I sat down with Draymond earlier this week. We now welcome in a three-time NBA champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist, Warriors forward Draymond Green. Thanks so much for joining us on NBA Today. Thank you, Malika. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, let's let's get right into it, Draymond. You all have gotten off to a hot five and one start this season. Do you see any similarities between the character of this Warriors team and the Warriors teams that have won it all? I would say those early teams that won it all, um, the 2015 team in particular. Mm. You you can just kind of feel a sense to the depth. Uh, that really changes this team, and you know when we when you look back at the 2015 uh, championship, no one was expecting us to win that championship. We just kind of came into the season as a good team with a lot of depth, and we started to put together put it together. And then as the season went on, you know everybody's like, okay, this team has a real chance at winning the finals. And I think that's where this team is. It's like no one's expecting this team to win it all, but yet you know we have a good team. We have a lot of depth. Adding Clay and Wiseman back into the fold as they come back will even make that make us an even deeper team. And you know, I think this team can really create some cause some havoc. Back to Steph for the lead. The greatest shooter this game has ever seen is added once again. And Draymond, it's it's early days, but even with some shaky shooting in fourth quarter, Steph Curry is already earning MVP chatter. What do you think of that? Uh, I think you know he he deserves that all the time the way teams have to guard there's not a, another player in the nba that is guarded the way steph curry is guarded you know when you look at guys getting double team he gets double team every time he cross half court you know and to still be able to produce the numbers that he's doing and he just keeps extending this range further and further out you know this team continue to win uh, we put together a great season like i think we're capable of it's going to be hard to deny him that. Mm. What has bringing Andre Iguodala back done for this group? A lot. Uh, you know, when, when Andre left this team, it just 
it just kind of felt, it took the air out of him. You know, it took the wind out of here. And, um, you know, to have Andre back, uh, it changes everything. You know, you got that guy who goes in the game, and as we've said all those years prior, that goes in and calms us down from both ends of the floor, get everything settled and locked in. And I think, you know, his presence around the younger guys, us having that vet, um, you know, Andre uh, has come back and helped us along with that. And uh, obviously helps our defense and his playmaking helps our offense. And, and more importantly, that's our brother. And so just having that brother back in the locker room with us, uh, it makes us that much stronger. You got a friend, Draymond. You got a friend coming in behind you. Say hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> Draymond, he's welcome to welcome to join us. But Draymond, the the continuity, the core of this team has been so impressive. How has that impacted the way that you think about the game because you've played with Steph and Clay for a decade? Definitely impacts it um, because playing, you know, when you're playing with these guys for so long, you just kind of know tendencies, and we know how to dice a defense up. We we've seen every coverage known to man. And so you just kind of know how to combat all those things. And, you know, more importantly, all right, all right. Hey, that's a, that's a, is that an OG Warriors towel? <laughs> it is, it is. Look at that. <laughs> it is. Look at that. They, they're paying homage to the good old days. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Before I let you go, can you finish this sentence for me? The Golden State Warriors will be champions this year if blank. Uh, the Garden State Warriors will, will be champions this year if we can continue to grow. Uh, I think, you know, we you, you have a very young Jordan Poole start. Uh, and not only is he start, but he's very important to what we do. So if he can continue to take those leaps, if we can continue to cut down on our turnovers, uh, which starts with, with myself and Steph, uh, if we can cut those down, uh, I think our defense is our defense is already really good turning the ball over the way we turn the ball over. So if we can cut those down, get Clay back healthy, get Wise back healthy, put a full team together, I think we can be champions. Thank you so much, Draymond Green, for spending some time with us on NBA Today. No problem. Thanks for having me, Malik. Draymond will lead the Warriors defense, which has been second best in the NBA this season, behind only someone we might have already talked about, the Miami Heat against a Hornets offense that ranks third in efficiency this season. And for more on that matchup, hey Richard, what you got? Oh, guys, look. This is my own segment. I got a segment. Now, look, we're going to work on this because underneath we wanted to say presented by Richard Jefferson. We'll get a sponsorship later. Don't worry. We're gonna I'm all in on it. I'm all, all in. in. Okay, and I got my guy legs here. Look, we've seen the numbers, and I want to introduce this segment called Don't Stat Me. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to focus on one particular stat that makes a team unique, and we're going to start with the Charlotte Hornets. They are impressive. They are leading the league in three-point field goal percentage, thanks in large part to their great ball movement. They're a third in the league this year in assists, which is impressive because last year they were top five. But let's take a look at how they go from good to great. And they are a nightmare. Now, you know we got a LaMelo ball, but watch this ball movement. Everybody, pump fake. They're moving. Look, he's got two people he can pass to, and LaMelo moves that quick. Look at how far away that is as a contest. And you're talking about a corner three, which is the highest percentage three-point shot that you can shoot. And then here, again, little pump fake there by Gordon Hayward. Ball's moving. If you don't like it, Move it, and now you have a big closing out to LaMelo in the corner. Again, high percentage shot. So when you're moving now, we got another pick and roll. 
Good job. Not exactly the best rate by my guy Plumley, but watch this. All eyes are on the ball because that's what happens when you're the rookie of the year and you're putting. He's got two passes. Yep. He's got two people, and you got Lori Markkinen trying to contest him from deep. That is why the Charlotte Hornets made a big jump last year. They're going to continue making a big jump this year, and they are one of the most difficult teams to guard from three. And what they're developing right now is they're feeling that when it's my turn, it's coming to me. And yes. when you start to build that, teams I played on, that's when I was most comfortable. When you could expect, the trust factor was off the charts. And you can see that. Five guys passing up shots to get the next one, Richard. That's what it's all about. But they're going to run into something defensively with Golden State. They shoot the three at the highest clip. Golden State, one of the best in the league at defending the look three. This. Getting out to the line. And look, some of this is, hey, luck. Guys miss open looks in the NBA, but most of this is effort. It's guys being connected defensively. I think the key things for me, Richard, defensively, when you talk about defending the three-point line, it's first pass. You have to get to the first pass off penetration. That communication on who's going so two, two guys aren't hesitant and don't get there. The next thing, honest contest. You see both of those first two misses, you'll see another one here. Nothing gets me more frustrated when a guy closes out and doesn't leave the ground on Look the contest. That. You gotta get off the ground, get vertical, no contact. You don't wanna give guy three easy free throws, but for me, it's finishing it off with what I call an honest contest. Get off the ground, palm on palm, contest everything, multiple efforts in the same possession, so something's gotta give with these two teams. One shoots it, one defends it. Yeah, so that's what you're gonna look for tonight. You know that the Charlotte Hornets, they move the ball, and you also know that the Golden State Warriors are amazing. They are amazing. Where's my camera? There's my camera. That Golden State Warriors are amazing at contesting the three. They have been since the Mark Jackson era all the way through Steve Kerr and winning these three championships. Leek? Since we're speaking about Steve Kerr, can oh. we also speak about Steve Nash and get over to Brooklyn in our oh, next segment? Oh, God, we finally gotta, been waiting on Brooklyn. We've been waiting to talk about Brooklyn. we got to take some time in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're watching NBA Today, live from Los Angeles. Back on NBA Today, the Brooklyn Nets host the Hawks in the first game of tonight's doubleheader. And last season, Brooklyn boasted the best offense in the 25 seasons we've had play-by-play -play data. But this year has been a little bit of a different story as the Nets have plummeted to 22nd in offensive efficiency. In fact, the Nets have been led by a defense that's top in the league and that's in large part because James Harden is still finding his groove a little bit. He's averaging 18.6 points per game and has yet to score 30 in a single game. That's after averaging over 30 points per game in the last seven seasons combined. Yet, despite these early struggles, the Nets still boast the shortest odds to win the title, according to Caesar Sportsbook, at plus 240. And that's all without Kyrie Irving, who can't play or practice with the team until he complies with the New York COVID-19 vaccination mandate. And for more on the state of the Nets, here's Om Young Masuk. 
Nothing to do with the organization, has nothing to do with my teammates. The last thing I wanted to create was more distractions or more hoopla. We still have myself and Kevin to lead and guys that you know, need to step up. It's been just over three weeks since the Brooklyn Nets made Kyrie Irving point guard non grata. And what have we seen? Durant is going to highlight! Harden lobs it up! Benry! Oh, and a block from Durant! There have been flashes of highlight plays, triple doubles, a stirring comeback win, and key role players stepping up to fill the void left behind by Kyrie. But there have also been blowout losses. Rebound, Harden. moments of frustration Durant just chucked the ball into the stands and even a protest at the home opener Nets owner Joe Tsai a strong advocate of the COVID-19 vaccine told me that it's cavalier for people to turn Irving's vaccination decision into a political statement when life and death is at stake as of late last week Tsai said he had not spoken to Irving since the team decided to move forward without him until he is vaccinated but he did mention the point guard's name multiple times unsolicited when talking about the core of the team. Irving's absence, however, has thrown Nash's rotations and best laid plans into flux. It's not going to be pretty for a little while here. we got to just continue to fight. Kyrie is seldom mentioned in media sessions. However, last week, Kevin Durant was asked what the difference is in the Nets' offense. I know what you want me to say. Yeah, we do miss Kyrie. He's a part of our team. Until he's able to return. Irving hangs over the team like a tower crane over another New York skyscraper. The point guard's absence is a reminder that the team so many picked to win it all is not yet complete. I'm back with Richard Jefferson and our newest colleague, J.J. Reddick. So, J.J., I'm going to start with you. Let's talk about the Nets. Okay, stop petting his face. He's gonna, one day he's going to do that to you. He's going to what's kind of come around and go around. All right, J.J., what is missing from the Nets roster? Well, besides the obvious, Kyrie Irving, sure. to me what's missing is a dynamic big, a rim-protecting, rim-running big. James Harden is at his best when he has a lob threat on the floor. As you see with this play right here, Blake's not getting behind the defense. James gets up in the air and makes a bad pass. Some of his turnovers, I think, can be attributed to playing without that lob threat. The other thing that... Brooklyn needs to me is another big wing defender that can switch and guard multiple positions in the playoffs. Uh, losing Jeff Green was, a, I, I think, a big loss for them. They need what they need really is a circa 2016 Richard Jefferson. <laughs> That's well, thank you. No one's well, ever said that Yeah, before. and no one's ever going to say it yeah. again. And it's interesting, right, because it seems like potentially they had that lob threat in Jared Allen, but he was dished out in the James Harden trade. And maybe you look at a Nick Claxton that James Harden has said he really likes passing to but is still developing and hasn't been able to play with a non-COVID-related illness. So, Richard, what are your early impressions of the Nets this season, other than they need you out on the floor? Well, obviously they could use me out on the floor, but the main thing is like he said to his point that role and replace guy they don't are they don't have that role guy because that opens up the floor for the three-point shooters we've seen joe harris get off to a little bit of a slow start not his normal consistent jj reddick style shooting so what he's got to do is he's got to figure out a way to be aggressive but what i do like is lamarcus aldridge lamarcus aldridge you know last year after the the, the heart situation that he had he we no one thought he was going to ever play again and now he's back to being an impact player for the nets he does 
give them, in my opinion, a better post-up threat than, uh, let's say, uh, you know, a Blake Griffin. He's a guy that if they do switch on him, you can put a, you can put him into the post against a big or a small. He is dominant still in that area. So I like that, but, you know, they got to find a roller that'll open up the threes and that'll help James in the pick and roll. Absolutely. All right, JJ. So let's go a little bit bigger picture with Brooklyn for a minute. When you're looking at Kevin Durant and James Harden and the roster is currently constructed, is it just they need to click a little better without the missing people? What's the big picture takeaway from where they stand right now? Because they're still the favorites to win the title. Well, they need, they need consistency, as RJ said, from their shooters. Uh, Patty got off to a great start. Uh, he's cooled off a little bit. Joe is just such a good shooter that the, the law of averages will even out. Mm -hmm. Regression to the mean. He'll end up shooting over 40% from three this year. He's that good of a shooter. The other part about the lob threat, it's not just in James's pick and roll, though. It's also in his isolation. So as he beats his guy off the dribble, to have someone behind the defense, and we hope it can be Nick Claxton, uh, can be that guy for them that can be that lob threat. He's already a guy that can switch and play multiple positions, but as you said, he's still developing. Yeah, it, it's very difficult for a young player that's, you know, like, hey, he's he's a first-round pick, he's that guy, and it's like, no, 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 you have to be at a championship level. So I just think that that's going to take a little bit more time for Claxton to kind of get that momentum and understand everything that, you know, is going to take. But the Brooklyn Nats have everything that they're going to need in order to win a championship. And one thing that, that one thing that's, uh, uh, that Steve Nash said, he goes, our defense didn't really improve in the postseason. We just had some vets that knew how to pick it up. So just like we mentioned the Lakers earlier that it's kind of an 82 game stretch for them before we'll see their best defense and their best basketball. I think it's the exact same thing with the Brooklyn Nets. Absolutely. JJ Reddick. I, I wanted to add I wanted to add a caveat as well oh, with right. my comments Kyle's earlier about the Miami Heat. Caveat, by caveat, the way, caveat, one of those. Yeah. If Kyrie Irving comes back, the Nets are the favorite to win the East and win it all. 100%. Eric Adams, by the way, the word on the street is he might be revisiting this vaccine thing post-January 1. So absolutely. That's, uh, I read an article today about that. So Kyrie may be back soon. Yep. Well, absolutely. Thank you so much, JJ Reddick, for joining us on NBA Today. Richard Men in Black, thank you for being here as well. And as, as JJ mentioned, in related Nets news, the New York City mayor-elect Eric Adams said on NBC he may revisit the COVID-19 vaccine mandate for municipal workers when he takes office in 2022. That is the mandate that barred Kyrie Irving, who's unvaccinated, from playing in Barclays Center. We will continue to monitor that, but take a look at the games that we get to talk about, Woo! that we get to watch. We spent a lot of time talking about both games of our doubleheader, and I'm actually ready to watch them. Hawks versus Nets at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, followed by Hornets versus Warriors. Our coverage starts with NBA Countdown at 7 Eastern on ESPN with our friend JJ Redick, one app one tap coming up the Sixers frustration with Ben Simmons is growing we have Woj with us live to explain what exactly is going on in Philadelphia hi it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring the official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt Stephen A. Smith and me plus many more from the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark there's no better time for sports fans sign up today new users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win download ESPN bet today what a play must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
Ben Simmons is back with the Sixers, but only participating in individual workouts. Once Simmons told the Sixers on October 22nd that he wasn't mentally ready to play, he stopped getting fined by the team for missed games, practices, and meetings. And we now welcome in senior NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski. Woj, you and Ramona Shelburne are reporting that the Sixers are increasingly frustrated with Ben Simmons. Why? Uh, Malika, the Sixers would like to get uh, more detail about the steps uh, Ben Simmons is taking outside of their organization um, you know, to address uh, the, the mental health issues that he's discussed with them. He would, they would certainly like him to meet with their doctors, which uh, he has declined to do so yet. And so I think what Philadelphia wants, just like if it was a physical injury with a player, that, that they're part of you know, the process of trying to get him uh, the help he needs, the assistance, and then ultimately back on the floor, Malika. So, Woj, obviously the, the big news today is that Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID. But within the NBA, several players have entered the league's coronavirus health and safety protocols this week, including today with Cavaliers big man Lowry Markkinen. So once an NBA player has tested positive for COVID, what's the timeline and process for them to return to play? Malika, really two routes to get back on the court. One is 10 days from when you first test positive uh, or experience symptoms or uh, tw in 24 hours if you can have two negative PCR tests uh, that leads you to be able to come back and then for players who have symptoms uh, there's some cardiac testing that goes into play you know Cleveland this is a team that had 100% vaccination among their players but both Kevin Love and now Lori Markinen are out of the lineup in protocols Absolutely. So you mentioned it. They're fully vaccinated. The CDC says that vaccines are supposed to protect people from getting severely ill and reduce the likelihood of hospitalization. Woj, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Malika. All right. Tip off your weekend with our next NBA Friday doubleheader on ESPN and the ESPN app. Julius Randle and the Knicks take on Giannis and the Bucks at 730 Eastern. And then Steph and the Warriors host the Pelicans. Our coverage starts with NBA Countdown at 7 Eastern. Tonight on SportsCenter at 6 Eastern. Live from Green Bay with the very latest on Aaron Rodgers out Sunday after a positive test. Plus, full coverage of OBJ and the Browns fallout after new developments today. And NBA Countdown is live from Barclays in New York. Stephen A. Smith and Michael Wilbon set the stage for tonight's must-see doubleheader on ESPN. Don't miss SportsCenter at 6 Eastern. In an excerpt of Scottie Pippen's new autobiography published online by GQ, Pippen criticized how the 10-part ESPN documentary, The Last Dance, gave outsized credit to Jordan for the Bulls championship era. Pippen wrote, quote, I was nothing more than a prop. He's the best teammate of all time, he called me. And he couldn't have been more condescending if he tried. Richard? I think Jordan could try to be more condescending. If he tried. Yeah, if he tried. He could take some classes from you. Hate to see it. I hate to see hate it, to man. See it. I know. It's you know like mom and why dad. does it have to it's end like, like that? It's like watching mom and dad fighting. You just don't want to see it, yeah, man. Yeah, just, just, you know, I mean, I'll check, we'll check out the book. Hey, there's two sides of every story, and then there's the truth. And then there's NFL Live. So, that's oh, coming yes. up next. Oh, yes, thank God. <laughs>